Welcome to episode 172 of the Energy Talks podcast. I'm energy and climate journalist Markham Hislop. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Alberta electricity system, and in particular, its uh, markets. It is the closest thing that Canada has to a deregulated electricity system. Uh, the generation side is pretty much deregulated, but other parts of it are not. And the system doesn't work very well anymore. As uh, uh, I, I interviewed economist David Gray oh, a month or so ago about economic withholding. And, and so anybody who's interested in that, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. But if you want more information on uh, why Alberta uh, consumers are paying twice as much for electricity as they should, go and look at that interview on our YouTube channel. So I'm going to welcome economist David Gray here. And we're, he was kind of there when the system was was birthed in 1996, and he's going to explain it to us today. So welcome to the interview, David. Well, thanks uh, for having me on again, Markham. And um, yeah, I guess that's another nice way of saying that I'm I'm old. It's okay. We're both old. <laughs> now, look, um, the, let's start with an explanation of the system first, as you know, brief and and general as you can, as economists can do it. Uh, we've got we've got generation, transmission, distribution, and retail. What are those? How does it work? I'll try and keep the Latin out of it. Thank so you. So the notion was, uh, and this is at the same time they deregulated the liquor industry in Alberta. Um, deregulation was all the thing, uh, particularly in the UK under Thatcher and then uh, throughout parts of uh, the United States. And so deregulation of electricity was kind of in the air at the time. And a number of uh, jurisdictions went that direction. Two of them, us and Texas, went a very particular direction, which was to create an energy-only electricity market. And what that means, and it gets important to the story later on, is that all of the money that goes to generators for producing electricity is based entirely on how much they produce in a particular hour. Uh, electricity is a bit weird. One of the things you need to wrap your mind around is that electricity at eight in the morning is a different product than electricity at nine in the morning and at 10 in the morning. It's, it's time-based. Um, and so that adds a bit of a wrinkle to the pricing. And, that, and that's because demand fluctuates, right? I mean, you have periods in the day, uh, whether it's early in the morning and then, you know, after folks get home, at uh, five o'clock and start cooking and you know doing laundry and that sort of thing so that that explains why it's a kind of a different product that's exactly right you have to uh look at your demand and available supply uh at the different hours of the day because not only does your demand change but the available supply will change as well so that's the dynamic in in the market is that it's changing all the time and the notion in creating these electricity markets was we're going to essentially have a market that clears every hour. What do you mean by clears every hour? So that you know that if you produced a megawatt hour in hour three on Tuesday, you're getting paid you know, $50 for your megawatt hour. If you had produced it at nine on Tuesday, it would be $100 a megawatt hour, right? So they really are. It's like having two different products. Okay. Now, what about transmission and distribution? Uh, that is not deregulated, correct? 
That is correct. Transmission and distribution are in that category of things that I like to call natural monopolies. That once you have a network, it's much easier for you to add to your network than for anyone else to come in and create a new one. Uh, and so both distribution wires and transmission wires were left to be fully regulated. Now, the other part of the business that was deregulated was the retail end, which is essentially billing, billing and customer service. So that was left to the market. The generation uh, market was opened for competition, but the, the parts in the middle were still fully regulated. Now, my understanding is that the retail side is actually a mix of regulation and deregulated. So is that not the case? It is the case. You're right. The regulated rate option is a default option that was left over from the very beginning of the market. Um, that still about 43, I think, percent of residential consumers are on. So from the perspective of the retail market having taken over and replaced previous regulation, it, it's not been successful that way. Now, you were uh, an advisor to the government. Uh, I assume it was the government, but it set this system up. And in my conversations with you, you said that you had made suggestions to do things a little differently that were not taken. Uh, explain what would you have done differently had they, you know, listened to you back in, in the mid-90s? So the problem with this market was always going to be the, the virtualization of physical effects into financial effects. The the buzz at the time in the community uh, was all around the ability of financial derivatives to exactly mimic any physical effect in a market in financial terms. And that's really the philosophical core of the Alberta electricity market. It's trying to do things in a financial sense uh, to mimic what would happen in a physical market and it fails. And that's why we have the problems that we have. Okay, hang on. Um, I didn't understand any of that, and I'm sure most of my listeners uh, won't either. Uh, are you saying that that the market as designed in Alberta uh, relies puts too much reliance on price and, and the market to direct things in the physical world, and that this doesn't work? Is that... What you're saying? That's exactly it. Uh, so, for example, we have a forward market after fashion. Um, and what happens in any given hour is that the market will play out like the big roulette wheel that it is. People will win, people will lose. And then you settle for that at some point in the future based on the prices that were discovered and the contract that you have for differences. So they were trying to create this scenario where instead of having physical shortages, you have financial shortages. And that's where this economic withholding idea comes in, that if you have enough market power, you can drive the price up. And that's what they determined was the preferred mechanism for signaling to the market that you need future capacity additions. Now, in most markets, in fact, in every other market in the world, you do that physically. 
you sell firm physical forwards. I'm going to sell you this much power at this hour and this day. And then you own that power. Uh, the consequence of that is if there's too much power in the market, you can, uh, or if there isn't enough power in the market, you can sell it back. You have a natural a depression of the price based on real physical supply. We're actually running our entire electricity system on a spot market with this financial addition to try and mimic those effects, but it fails at it. And so you get these periods of prolonged high prices brought on by um, economic withholding by the larger players. Okay. So economic withholding is where the, the companies basically uh, cut back on their generation deliberately uh, in order to drive the price up in the market uh, and thereby uh, gouging consumers. And they've been doing this uh, from your our previous interview. They've been doing this for two to three years already. And essentially, Alberta consumers are paying twice as much as they should for their electricity. Now that doesn't mean their their utility bill is necessarily twice as much because there's wires and other service fees on there, but the, the 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 electricity portion of that bill is double what it should be. Is that correct? Yeah, or even a little bit more. Um the the problem is is that the market that's sour is the wholesale market and that ruins everything. So when you look at for example the uh, power pricing options that are available to consumers now, NMAX no longer offers a, a, a three-year product. They only offer a five-year product. And the reason is, is that nobody knows what to do in this crazy market where, you know, the preferred mechanism is to allow big guys to grab it by the hair, yank it up for as long as they can, and then let it fall back down to marginal cost. Um, you know, it's really not designed to be a very good market. Like it's, it's got things missing that you need to have in markets. Okay. What is, what is missing? What's missing is physical consequences for these financial transactions. In any other type of market, you have that mechanism that I just described where once you've sold forward physically and you have to give the product over and then give the other person the optionality as to what to do with it, uh, you have those effects to mitigate market price uh, excursions and to signal concretely that you need more generation going forward. Actually, the market works in those forward mar markets. It doesn't work in the spot market. In the spot market, everything is fixed. Your generation that's available is already there and your demand comes in as a given, as an exogenous variable. So it just doesn't function like a market. Um, and then we have these financial add-ons to try and make up for it. But really the, the flaw is the fundamental one that the market misses the physical consequences of an actual commodity market. And the financial, you know, band-aids they put on to try to make it work do not. Okay. Um, I am uh, king of Alberta, and I'm going to grant to you, Dave, the ability to fix the this market system uh, in any way you deem fit. And go. Tell us what Are you going to take the regulations that apply to the Alberta natural gas market. 
stroke out anywhere it says gigajoule and put kilowatt hour, um, stroke it anywhere it says gas and put electricity and call it a day. Okay, hang it, on a second. Hang on. It can't be that easy. It just it is that easy. The, the Alberta natural gas market has all the features that you need to have a good functional market. It has a good forward exchange, the NGX. Um, it has requirements for forward contracting uh, so that you can't export. You can't even get on the system unless you've got a contract in place. And it's where in those forward markets, all of those transactions take place that balance supply and demand. Okay, well, if it's so easy and the model already exists in Alberta and has for quite a while, who has to make the decision to do what you just said, stroke out, you know, gas and put in electricity and so on? Uh, is that the government? Is it the regulator? Is it, Who is it? It's the government. It's the regulation. The regulation would need to be amended uh, to reflect those changes. And which legislation would have to be amended uh, to change the regulations? Uh, Electric Utilities Act, I believe. I'm trying to think back. No, that, that too... sounds right. I, according yeah. In my prep, I ran across that. And I think you're you're right. Okay, so the Electric, Electric Utilities Act has to be changed. And given how dysfunctional this uh, market appears to be, why has nobody done it up to now? If you were the incumbents, would you, and you held all of the sort of intellectual horsepower, in the province, I mean, would you tell them to stop the gravy train? I mean, it's really okay. come down to that, Mark. Is, that is, is, is this the power of incumbents to basically pressure the government uh, and uh, into not changing things because it works to their advantage? I think it's been all along, Markham. I think it's been since this was designed. Okay. Um, does that mean that the incumbents were involved in the design of the market. And, and we're talking about NMAX and ATCO and, and mm -hmm. EPCOR and, and uh, Altalink and uh, all of these other- And Ron, yeah. yeah some, of the, some of them are investor-owned utilities and some of them are, are uh, municipal utilities. Right. But they're, so these are, the, these are the, the folks who are the incumbents and mm -hmm. benefit most from this system. That's right. And there's no one left to, to take a consumer side, a buy side position. The, that's the other thing that's happened in Alberta is that systematically any consumer side or buy side intervention has gone away. Uh, and that would be another important thing to fix. But in terms of the market, it's, it's ancillary. Right? Okay, hang on a second. You were the consumer advocate, were you not? I was. For, uh, for, what, for which years? Uh, I was there as executive director uh, from 2003 to 2009. Okay. So what function, is it the function in that office that needs to be restored, or is it some other function in another office that needs to be restored? Uh, a function in that office uh, could be restored. I, My own predilection at this point um would be to say that you should go back to the model that we used to use or that other markets use, which is that you have some sort of a checkoff out of every transaction that funds buy side intervention. Uh, I'm not convinced that having a centralized office do that under a government is safe for consumers as 
restoring having a multiplicity of interveners that are funded to go into hearings. Okay. Uh, one of the things we're on about all the time at uh, Energy Media is the fact that we are now in the disruptive decade, decade of the global energy transition. And the defining feature of that energy transition is the switch from fossil fuels to uh, renewables and other sources of clean electricity. We're basically, you know, you hear the phrase, we're going to electrify everything. So, uh, and economic modelers like Dr. Chris Bataille talk about how developed economies like Canada will require two to three times as much electricity by 2050 as they make, as they, as they do now. And clearly Alberta, because of the market it has, and anybody who's an approved generator can set up a solar farm or a wind farm or whatever and, and connect to, to the grid. So that's, that's a good thing. So in looking ahead, knowing this is where we're headed, and we're going to double or triple the electricity. We're going to be introducing a lot more renewables and, and presumably energy storage. We could have hydrogen for energy storage. I mean, it's going to be an electric future. How do, does the do the market deficiencies and the poor market design uh, that Alberta has now have a, a negative effect or a positive effect on that electric future? Uh, the future of electricity in Alberta is coal-fired, as far as I can tell from last night's election, Markham. Okay, that need requires a little explanation. Uh, and for anybody who's listening to this outside of Alberta, uh, the United Conservative Party defeated the New Democrats uh, in last night's election. And uh, it looks like they've got another four years. So what did you mean with that comment, Dave? Uh, it's already, I mean, the first thing that Danielle Smith came out with was to fight about electricity um, transition. I, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody's going to develop anything here while that fight is going on. Um, and the fundamental problem for Alberta is that our own market is too small for the potential we have for green energy. We have 30,000 megawatts of green energy product, uh, projects already in queue, ready to be developed if there was space for them. Um, there's not. So the only way that we could achieve any sort of potential in green energy would be to develop an export market. Okay, we're going to be doing a separate interview uh, on this issue of exporting uh, clean energy electricity from Alberta, but let's touch on it now because it is germane to the criticism of the market. Like this could be, if the market isn't fixed, this could be a, a, an economic opportunity lost and might even be a handicap for the, uh, for the, you know, the industrial uh, players, uh, the industrial economy, and there's lots of refineries and oil and gas. So uh, have I got that right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're running into this situation where we are, we should have the lowest electricity prices in North America and we'll end up with some of the highest. I and mean, it's from the perspective of every other business in Alberta, I cannot understand them, at least not going after the conservative government on this particular issue. 
um, because the way the market is working right now is hurting anybody who's trying to do anything industrial in the province. Um, but, you know, setting that aside, the big opportunity for us is that wind power is the cheapest form of power that we've ever seen in Western Canada. It's not going to compete with solar in the great Western desert, which is going to give America this enormous industrial uh, boost again. Um, but, you know, they're going to need more power than that. And we have the potential to be able to be a firm green energy power supplier with the combination of wind and hydro. But, you know, the politics between there and here seems pretty intractable. And by that, we mean, at least I, I'm going to assume you mean, uh, that the American electricity system and uh, their the entire system is being rejigged. It's being redesigned. Yeah. It's gone from a, a cost of service, uh, the old, you know, since Edison's time, cost of service model uh, and regulated model uh, to a deregulated and market-based system. Mm -hmm. And and it's crazy watching this system be redesigned in real time. I mean, the American, what the Americans are doing, I bring this up all the time because I'm not on the inside. You know, I'm, I interview American uh, folks who are playing in that field. And I get a, I'll get a little flavor of it. And then I look you know, north of the border, and we are so staged, so conservative. By comparison, we just think, well, we've had this you know, great electricity system across mm -hmm. Canada or systems, 10 little fiefdoms, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for 125 years. We're good. We're good. Whatever comes in the future, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we'll be, we'll be just fine. BC Hydro has got a lock on it. Manitoba Hydro, Quebec Hydro, no problem. These guys, they'll, they'll manage that. But I think that if we're looking, you know, what to what the Americans are doing, and perhaps we shouldn't be so confident. By the time we've stopped arguing about whether, you know, green power is, coming, they will have already converted and there'll be no more market opportunity left. It's one of the greatest aggravations for me is that we are more anti-green than Texas. I mean, Dallas-Fort Worth is going to be the first city in North America to be 100% renewable energy powered. And there's four environmentalists in the whole state of Texas. <laughs> I mean, they, they've gotten out of each other's way, right? The, the oil and gas guys didn't come into the electricity market to tell the electricity guys how to do electricity. Whereas that's all that happens up here. I mean, a, a guy thinks he understands how a pipeline works. So the next thing you know, he's lecturing you on, you know, the, 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 the effects of three-phase electricity. It's just retarded. Sorry, I used a bad word. I'm angry. Well, well, okay, we'll we'll give you an exemption this time. And, and yeah, bleep it. <laughs> the next time I see you in Edmonton for a coffee, I'll I'll wrap your knuckles. Thank you. Uh, but look, the um, you've talked about you know using hydro uh, in con in conjunction with wind and solar and the whole point being that they you know the hydro dams kind of act like a big dam uh, but like a big battery mm -hmm. uh and so that means more east west trade and in fact you'd have to set up east west markets which we we currently really don't have 
Uh, you, um, you might need to. My, so here's my notion is that you would actually be best off if you had some sort of a federal corporation, an export corporation that would um, serve as the market maker to buy green energy from uh, BC, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, NWT, wherever, you know, wherever we extend the network to be. And if you could then buy from that corporation, uh, you could have that interprovincial trade without having to greatly change uh, any of the regulatory frameworks inside of the provinces. So basically what you're saying is you create this uh, federally run uh, system that co op cooperates in Western Canada with the BC Hydro Crown Corporation, Alberta mm -hmm. Market System, Saskatchewan mm -hmm. Crown Corporation, but mainly run, still run on coal and, mo and, and natural gas. And then you've got Manitoba Hydro bookending uh, this, these provinces where it's got huge uh, hydro capacity. And again, I'll, I'll point out that I grew up in, um, you know, mm -hmm. my dad was a worked in Manitoba Hydro and I did too during the, the 70s. So, you know, I, I've seen the Nelson River and the dams that are on there, and it is a glorious thing. I can tell you, it's an it's an amazing engineering feat, and they still have some capacity to build uh, new hydro dams and and uh, you know supply uh, reasonably cost electricity, clean electricity. Okay, so that what's preventing us from doing that? I mean, and is it the politics? People, you know, the provinces just don't want to talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, there's been a, a spiteful feud between BC and Alberta since 2000. Um, and there is no impetus to try and create something bigger. Uh, I mean, I brought this up at conferences before, uh, back when, um, I guess, before I was a communist and was invited to speak at conferences in the industry. Hang on a second, time out. Let, let's <laughs> clarify for the listeners that you were being ironic because you're often accused of, on Twitter of being, you know, communist, socialist, all of these kinds of things, which you're not. So you you meant that ironically, just so we, we know. Yes, thank you. Yes. No, I forget that on radio, irony doesn't come across sometimes so well, but Yes, no, almost decidedly ironically. Uh, communism never worked, and I can actually point to the study that shows that. Back to electricity. Um, the biggest problem that we've always had is this interprovincial um, rivalry that we didn't used to have when it was fully regulated. But once uh, we opened up the market, and particularly once BC Hydro decided to be fairly carnivorous, not just in Alberta, but in California. Uh, if you remember, they got fined fairly substantially in California. Um, and they probably should have been here. I mean, uh, it's been when you, very when you say carnivorous, do you mean predatory? Um, yeah, yeah. It's so they were part of the uh, energy trading schemes that were going on in California, and they were doing some of that here as well in '99 and 2000. So just so you know, my history, I came back to Alberta in 98 to work for the Utilities Commission and was immediately tossed into the middle of all of the electricity and gas deregulation things. Uh, I was actually in charge of the gas rate unbundling decision 
um, which still holds up <laughs> because we didn't build as much fat into it as um, they got away with on the electric side. Okay. Um, so we, we've got we've got uh, a predatory, at least one predatory, uh, government-owned uh, crown uh, crown utility. We've, we've got uh, with these other ones that I mentioned. Um, so that gets back to my original question: um, How do we make that east-west market work? And if it is the, if the issue, uh, if your answer is the federal government comes in and creates a cr another crown corporation and buys and sells and so on. How does that work? You come in with a bundle of money and one of those corporations and create um, with a relatively limited amount of money, the extra transmission uh, links that you need. Um, one of the problems that I would be trying to solve with this solution is that we have two HVDC lines built in Alberta that were built with the notion of exporting cogen out of the oil sands, but would also serve excellently to export green energy to Nevada. Um, if the federal government came in with money enough to build a few transmission links and to backstop an export development corporation, um, the, the, the provinces, if they had any sense, would welcome the economic development opportunity for there to overlay an export green production market over top of their domestic markets, such that they could take the best of both. Well, this is the first time I've heard anybody propose something that actually might work uh, around an east-west market in Western Canada, and presumably mm -hmm. that could be done in Eastern Canada as, as well. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, you go to the conferences, you're plugged into that network. Is there any rumblings that this might be the direction the federal government is going? Um, no. <laughs> every, and every time I brought it up at conferences, it was, oh, the Constitution, right? Um, it's okay, oh, that, the Constitution? What, oh, what, the Constitution. The These things are all provincial. You can't do anything national. It's not a national issue. It's all electricity is entirely a provincial issue. Oh, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We're not talking about the generation of electricity is certainly uh, provincial and the transmission of it and distribution of it within provincial borders is certainly provincial. But the, 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 the Constitution very clearly says that anything that crosses borders is a federal responsibility. And so if there is a federal cor crown corporation that's, that's buying and selling and exporting, I'm sorry, I don't see the constitutional objection. Yes, but that's always the one that's raised. Um, and I think it probably is more, um, it's less legal and more just uh, tribal, I'll be honest. Okay, that, I, that I, I, think my, I think that solution, the solution I proposed would fix the legal problems around the constitutionality. The question is whether there's an appetite to bring, you know, let's say it's 50 or $100 billion to the table to put out there as an investment like we did for railways or canals or, you know, any of the other things we've done as a country. Right, because we'd have we'd have to build inner ties between the various uh, provinces, so we could mm -hmm. we could trade. There'd have to be market, you know, money invested in developing the yeah. market and having cash on hand to do all the trading and all of that good stuff, and maybe some new infrastructure uh, built. 
Um, okay, so it's not it's not cheap. But then on the other hand, if we're all agreed that you know electricity is is basically the foundation of the 21st century economy, uh, this seems absolutely critical uh, to the economic future economic prosperity of at least Western Canada. Alberta without oil is Saskatchewan with less topsoil. <laughs> I, I I don't get why it is that we now, have you realize to... you realize that 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 went right over the head of our international listeners, but that's okay. You can <laughs> you catch me on social media, maybe ask me on Twitter, folks, uh, what Dave actually meant by that because we don't want to take up any more time. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you. I interrupted you. Uh, no worries. Uh, so this is, or Alberta without the oil industry has a very bad economy, right? We've got tourism, agriculture, and forestry. Um, there are, you know, forces acting against us in all of those things. Um, and so to my mind, as you say, the future is electric and the, the real future is green. Um, whether people like that or not is irrelevant. That's what our trading partners think. And if we were, you know, smart about it, we would take the opportunity to create a new export industry. But we've got this tribal mindset that if it's green, it's anti-oil. Where they don't have that in Texas. So I, I, it just drives me nuts that the the oil guys can't get out of the way of electricity guys in Alberta to make a new export market. I don't understand it. Is what it is. Okay, so we've we've actually had two interviews here today because I earlier in this interview I said, oh, I'm going to be interviewing Dave about this east-west trade, and we we folded it into this interview, which is fine because I can I can see the uh, the connections between the the discussion around Alberta market design uh, because that that lot that segues nicely into. Uh, uh, you know, federal market design and and how we're going to do how we could export and and have trade between the provinces. So really, at the end of the day, we've talked about two things. Just to sum this up, we've talked about the broken Alberta uh, uh, wholesale market, the power pool, and the regulations that need to be changed. Basically, import the the regulations, the market design that's it's include that is used in the gas market and put the same rules in for the electricity market and you fix it. So that's that's one discussion. Then we've talked about how the Alberta electricity uh, sector could grow exponentially to provide export and trade between trade between the provinces and exports uh, to uh, the, uh, the southern markets. So we've talked about that and how the federal uh, government, because you'll never get the provinces to, to sit down, th those four provinces to sit down have a rational conversation, agree on something, and then implement it. Not in my lifetime and not in yours, uh, and probably not in our kids' lifetimes. It's not going to happen. So the federal government can come in with this Crown Corporation, build east-west interties and infrastructure that needs, buy electricity, sell it, and, and basically uh, overlay that on top of the existing systems and, and hopefully do it in a way that, that works. Have I, have I summed that up okay? Yeah. If we were to do that right, we would have, you know, five cent per hour or per kilowatt hour electricity in Western Canada for 40 years. Right? We could actually do industrial development based on cheap electricity if we did it right. 
and of course, all of the industrial development. And here, you know, I've done interviews around the processing and refining of, of critical minerals into EV battery metals, uh, because that there's very little capacity for that in North America, and you can't have an EV and a battery industry without it. Uh, so Alberta is primed. And if you had all of that cheap, clean electricity, you would have a huge competitive advantage in developing that industry as well as others. Right. right. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. We're, look, Dave, this has been fascinating uh, because you've taken a topic that is technical, complex, and for many Alberta consumers, probably all of them, perplexing. Mm -hmm. all, they, all they see is a higher electric bill, and they don't know why. They don't understand mm -hmm. why it is higher. So you, we've between economic withholding and an inefficient market, that's the explanation. And we'll get into a discussion of, of transmission fees, high transmission fees and distribution fees mm -hmm. another time. But for now, at least we got the electricity price nailed down. So thank you very much for this. Much appreciated. Well, you're very welcome. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful at some point this stuff will help. Um, I think it's important that people understand the truth, right? That as much complication as there is around these things, fundamentally, you can tell whether things are working or not. And it's been pretty obvious that things aren't working great. Well, Dave, once again, you've reminded us, both of us, how old we are, because we're apparently we're living in a post-truth society. And here you are advocating for truth. Uh, I'm going to continue to do so. Good for you. Good for you. As we do at Energy Media every day. So thank you very much. Thanks, Markham.